0: Good morning. Good to be with you guys. Really looking forward to the baptisms after service. We'll go ahead right out there. It's going to be great. Uh, it's a beautiful picture of uh, what the gospel is all about, as we'll see. But I, you know, I was reminded this week, um, the journey with Jesus is such an amazing, interesting thing, isn't it? We were, um, those of you in our men's, we have our men's Axios, it's our men's small group ministry, and we're, we're in John's gospel, we were looking at the story of, of Jesus and the woman at the well. And this, this picture of what life with Jesus is. You have this woman who's had a very uh, challenging, broken past, whose who soul is so thirsty, and Jesus reveals himself as really the satisfaction of her thirst and all of our thirst, that he gives this picture that, um, of living water that life with him can be about, that we can become this, this well of water springing up to eternal life. It's this picture of refreshment and you know life-giving life that goes on forever. And that is what life with Jesus is. It's beautiful. It's amazing. It's glorious. We sung about it this morning. Uh, and then we come to this passage today. Uh, that talks about, but um, life's also really challenging with Jesus. That there's suffering, and I think as I go on in this journey, it's it's coming to embrace very much both of those things: the beauty, the glory, the joy, and the challenge, the suffering, and the pain. And knowing how to do that well is a big part of following Jesus. So we're going to look at this passage today. Uh, to me, it's a, it's a no nonsense passage. Uh, it's pretty short. And, but it captures that side of following Jesus that's tough. And so I want to just jump right in, and um, we'll, we'll go after it. So there's a central command in this passage. We see it right at verse 1, where he says, arm yourselves also with the same attitude. Okay? So I just want to talk about that. Arm yourselves with, a, with an attitude, a mindset. That's warfare language, arm, okay? That's in the Greek, it's that. Take up arms. You need to equip yourself with the right kind of equipment, but in this case, the equipment you need is not physical, but it's a mindset. You need to equip yourself with a certain attitude, a frame of mind, a mindset, and here's the mindset. Expect suffering if you follow Jesus. Expect pain. Expect challenge. That's the mindset you need to have. Verse 1, since Christ suffered in the body, right? If, if your Lord, if your master who lived a perfect life, who perfectly followed the will of God, if he suffered, and he turns out did suffer, he was crucified, well, if he suffered, then as his followers, you should expect the same sorts of things that your Lord suffered. And most on Peter's mind in this book, we've been talking about this for the last couple of months, is, of course, the suffering that comes from following the gospel, specifically persecution. If you look at verse 4, you see it there. They, the, the world out there, the pagans, they're surprised that you don't join them anymore in the reckless wild living, and they heap abuse on you, okay? They're experiencing suffering in the form of abuse, in the form of criticism, social ostracism for their faith. So that's in the context of the suffering Peter primarily has in mind. But today I want to talk about just all forms of suffering that come with following Jesus, that come with obeying the will of God, all right? So just starters, what I'm saying is if if you're going to have that spring of water welling up to eternal life, and we do, right? That is life with Jesus. It involves all that. But if you're going to experience that joy, if you're going to experience that new life, um, you have to know right from the outset that that beautiful life, and it is a beautiful life, is going to cost you. It's going to hurt. It's going to be challenging, and it's going to be painful. And so Peter's saying, just embrace that. Arm yourself from the outset. This is how it's going to be. Look at the end of verse 1. Because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. Now, that's a, that's a strange statement, isn't it? Um, I've suffered in the body. and I'm not done with sin, so I'm not sure there. Um, I think what Peter is saying, not positive, but I think he's saying, um, if you can embrace this mindset, right, which is to say, I'll follow Jesus even when it hurts. I'll follow him when it's easy, and I'll follow him when it's really hard. And you can just decide. If you can just embrace that mindset, um, you're not going to be perfect. But if you do that, you have made a decisive break with sin, okay? If you can just say, this is what I do. I follow Jesus even when it hurts. You have made a decisive break with the sin in your life because sin is what we do (laughs) when following Jesus feels a lot harder than the sin that we're wanting to move into, right? (laughs) Like, you look at these two things. This feels easier in the moment. This feels a lot harder, so I think I'll do this. And so Peter's saying, if you can just embrace this mindset, you will have made a decisive break with the sin in your life. So arm yourself with this mindset. Expect suffering. It's a fun, feel-good... verse for us this morning. How many of you saw uh, the miniseries Band of Brothers? How many of you saw that? Maybe this is back in like 2001. Okay. So Band of Brothers, I actually never saw the entire thing. I saw the first like four or five episodes. I should have kept going. I think it's amazing. But it follows uh, Easy Company. This is World War II miniseries. Most of you know the story. Uh, follows them in their training in America. And then they, they are there for the invasion of Normandy and on through. But the, the man, the, when they come into Normandy, there's it, some powerful moments there. And so you see these, these various American soldiers that are all physically armed with guns, um, but reacting very differently into the moment because they're, they're not all armed with the same mindset. And so some of them just panic, right? They just kind of, you know, they just don't know what to do. And some just go right in and, and do the work that they're called to do. But I was reminded this week of... Um, This is the the one quote I remember from this miniseries. This was uh, Lieutenant Commander Ronald Spears, and he has this mindset that makes him this amazing soldier. I think I put it up here, yes. Here's here's the mindset he armed himself with. So he's talking to another soldier who was struggling, and he says this. The only hope you have is to accept the fact that you're already dead. The sooner you accept that, the sooner you'll be able to function as a soldier is supposed to function. All war depends on it. Right? He, he left America for Europe with a mindset, I'm dead. I'm going into the biggest war of all time. I'm, I am dead. And I've accepted that. And so now I do what I need to do. And I've, that, that's the mindset I've armed myself with. And um, that sounds a little extreme, I know. Um, but Jesus says something fairly similarly to his disciples, actually. Right? Matthew 16, 24 to 25, this is the call of Christ. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Uh, Whoever wants to save their life will actually lose it, and whoever loses their life for me will find it. Okay? Notice he's calling us into life. Do you want life? Do you want eternal life? I'm offering you life. So it's a good thing he's calling us into, but there's a mindset. There's an attitude we have to have, and it's this. Take up your cross, which is to say, (laughs) expect to suffer. Maybe even expect to die, and he might have meant it literally. That certainly happened with him, or he may just mean it. You're going to have to die to yourself. You're going to have to deny yourself in all sorts of ways if you want to be my disciple. I am offering you life. I'm offering you the good life. I'm offering you eternal life, life to the full, as he describes it. If you want to have that kind of life, it comes with a mindset. Pick up a cross and follow me. That's how you experience this kind of life, right? And that's what Peter's saying arm yourself with this attitude. And it's just helpful for a moment because we live in America in a place where being a Christian is still a fairly easy thing to do. Um, it's helpful to contrast this with, with the opposite mindset, which would be something like this. Um, this shouldn't be that hard, right? Following Jesus, and I think a lot of people probably have this mindset who are in places where cultural Christianity is still uh, a thing. Um, following Jesus shouldn't be hard, right? I, I, should, I should be able to follow Jesus and keep my, li- my life more or less intact. Um, this shouldn't be challenging. This shouldn't be too difficult. Um, I should be able to have Jesus. And I should be able to keep my, my pleasures and my treasures uh, and my reputation, um, the, the comforts that I'm used to. I, I should be able to do all of that, right? And um, that kind of attitude is not going to produce a kind of person who is ready for the spiritual battle that truly exists in the world and has always existed in the world. And so Peter is saying to us, um, if that's your attitude, this shouldn't be hard. This should be kind of easy. I should be able to do this and this, and it shouldn't make too much of a difference in my life. If, If that's your attitude, you will never be done with sin in your life because you will always live in this kind of limbo, no man's land of kind of following Jesus and kind of keeping your old life intact. And that's not the way Christ is calling you to live. So just embrace and arm yourself with this mindset. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. I'm going to have to deny myself. I'm going to have to deny die myself all the time. Embrace that, and you're well on your way to following Jesus Christ. Easy to say. Really hard to do, right? So that's the call. And then let me look at verse 2, and here's where I want to really spend some time. Right? So arm yourselves with the same attitude. Look at verse 2. Uh, you're done with sin, as a result, the person who's done this, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God, okay? This is the goal. Jesus saved me. He gave me living water. He's given me new life, and now I live the rest of my life, no longer for my own desires, but for his will. That's the goal of my life, and so what I want to do this morning is I'm going to put up an image. I just want to camp out here for a while, okay? Uh, on this image. Well, that was funny. I said camp out. That wasn't intentional. And here you are a little camping, hiking. Look at that. The spirit's at work today. Um, so he's saying people who have given their lives to Jesus, embrace this mindset, they no longer live for human desires, but for the will of God. And I just want to, I'm just going to leave this up for the rest of the time. And our lives always involve these two options, right? On the one hand, you have the will of God it's a glorious path leading us up this mountain to, to beauty and eternal life. But then you have uh, sinful, or actually, I should have said it's human. It literally says just human desire. Um, and these two paths are always before us. And Peter is saying the person has, has embraced this mindset, no longer lives to go down this right path. They go to live this path for the will of God. And I just want to kind of talk through this today. So when you hear the will of God, that's the phrase Peter uses, it's really important, I think, how we hear that phrase. Like how does, when you just hear the will of God for your life, um, how, do you, how do you experience that phrase? And what I mean by that it, is, is that phrase for you, is that a phrase that you experience as something that is um, burdensome or maybe even oppressive um, or it's got a bunch of shoulds, uh, it's a path? that would keep you from the things that you, you really want in life? Or do you hear that phrase and do you recognize, and I think this is the truth of it, no, that, that is actually what my soul is thirsty for. Okay, this is the, the will of God, meaning the moral will, the, the kind of life that God calls us to. No, that's the very thing that my soul thirsts for. That's actually the thing that my soul was, was made for. It's, it's the, the best version of myself that I'm, I'm longing to become and hope one day to become, then let me suggest that that is the will of God. It is, it is, it is being conformed to the image of Jesus, becoming more and more like Jesus. It's what we are designed for. We're God's image bears. We're meant to bear his image. And that will is going to move us closer and closer into the image of God. It's a glorious, beautiful thing. That's not to say it doesn't come with suffering, challenges, pain, sacrifice. But it is what our souls were made for, right? So that is the will of God. And each day we get to make choices whether we move towards that or not. And then I want to just talk about this other phrase. It actually says human desire. Uh, and the, the word there, evil human desires is what the NIV says. Uh, it's just one word. Uh, the word there is referring to cravings, maybe desires. So I think desires, cravings, um, urges that are part of our old life before Christ. And so you can think of physical cravings. These are things like cravings for just comfort uh, or empty pleasure, uh, cravings for self-gratification, substances, sexual gratification, things like that. So it could be very kind of carnal, we'd call that, physical cravings, or it could be more um, non-physical cravings are desires for, for power, for money for revenge, right for status these are just sort of the, the, the desires that are in us as a part of our being human beings okay and I think it's important to talk about desires in the moment we 're living in because um, people have radically different views on what we should think about our own desires okay so I want you to think about like culturally and there's you know, all sorts of difference of opinion but what I experience culture these days, the messages that I've heard over the last 20 years would be that the view of desires is, oh, your desire, desires are kind of self-authenticating. And what I mean by that is if you have a desire, if you feel a desire, and that desire comes from deep within you, uh, then that desire is, is self-authenticating. The fact that you have it authenticates the desire, okay? Because you didn't maybe choose. You, it's just there. And, um, and you ought to learn to... Experience that desire and give expression to that desire. And so, the way that your soul is going to be fulfilled is to have the freedom to express, explore, and move towards that desire so that you become more and more the authentic you that is in there. And we need a culture that doesn't keep you from doing that. As long as there's consent, if your desire involves somebody else, there's got to be consent. But apart from that, we ought to experience the freedom of those desires because that's how our souls are going to flourish and satisfy. Okay, the movies that I watched growing up kind of move you in that direction, right? Okay, the, the scriptures has a very different view of desire. And it's not that desire is bad. It's actually desire is good. God created desire. God created us thirsty, hungry, desirous creatures. The problem is at the fall and because of the fall, we now have disordered desires. We have these desires, but they're disordered. They're they're sometimes not attached to the right things or they're they're attached to the right things in the wrong ways. And so flourishing life is not gonna happen by me just pursuing my desires. Actually, quite the opposite. For me, flourishing life is gonna be about conforming my desires to the will of God, right? Bringing those desires, uh, some good, some bad, some in between, bringing all of that stuff in me and moving it towards being conformed to what God's desire is going to be, right? Because desires don't necessarily help our, our souls flourish. Actually, in chapter 2, he says this. Look at chapter 2, verse 12, or sorry, verse 11 Two eleven, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires. Why? Because they wage war against your soul. Wow, so these very desires that feel like they're in my soul, whatever those are, can be the very things that are waging war against my soul. These are going to take my soul down. And so I need to discover, God, what are the desires um, that are rightly ordered, and how do I move my life towards those? Because that's what's going to help my soul flourish. These will actually take my soul down. A very radically different view of desire, and we probably... I would best, I guess we relate to both of those in different ways at different times. Okay, so um, so here's your option, right? Will of God or sinful desire, what are we going to do? And you could, you know, we could think Monday morning, tomorrow morning you're going to wake up and you're going you're gonna to have this, this option available to you about 20 times tomorrow or more, right? And um, what do we do? And let me bring now... Verse 1 and verse 2 together. Well, the key is whether or not you have armed yourself with an attitude. Okay? The attitude is expect suffering. Expect this to be hard. Expect challenge. Uh, If you haven't armed yourself with that, you're going to take the right path most of the time, which turns out to be the wrong path. Maybe I should have flopped these to not confuse. Right? If you have armed yourself... um, Then you're going to, well, I expected this. This is precisely what I expected. So, of course, this would be, yes, but I'm going to do this. Okay, so let me just give you some practical examples. Okay, let's use the example in this passage. Um, Verse 3. You have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans uh, choose to do. And and then he gives a list of what happens when desire is given free reign. Living in debauchery, lust drunkenness, orgies, carousing, detestable idolatry. That's when the desires of the flesh are just kind of given free reign. That's where they move towards. And these people are surprised that you don't join them anymore in their reckless wild living, and they heap abuse on you, okay? So here you got these first century Christians. This is like a great um, high school verse too, right? Like Friday night, Saturday night parties, right? I've been partying, I go to camp, I become a believer, all my friends still party, what am I going to do, do I keep going to the the parties, do I drink at the parties, all that sort of stuff, right? They're facing that in their own days, in their own ways. Uh, And so here's the question, so what are we going to do now? Um, Well, the desire would be, well, I I still like some of those things, right? I, I still crave some of those things. Or the desire might be, I really like acceptance. I like having my old friends, like, that's a, that's a good desire. Um, in this case, the will of God is fairly clear. God is longing for my, uh, my sexual purity, my purity of substance. He doesn't want me engaging in these things. So w- what am I going to do? And the key to this passage is, well, it all depends on have you armed yourself with an attitude or not? The attitude in this case is this. I shouldn't expect to uh, follow Jesus and have everybody like me, right? I should expect if I'm following Jesus I should expect to feel weird at times to feel excluded. I shouldn't expect that I could follow Jesus and always feel included in everything that's going on around me. That's not a, that's a bad that's a bad mindset. Okay? Are you with me? All right, and this is a simple step. Um, this can happen in, in in the simplest of of ways. Okay? Let me give you like the the most simple one so minor, but So let's talk about just uh, spending time with the Lord in the morning, for instance. Something as kind of mundane to Christian life as a morning quiet time. Okay, I have been struggling with a morning quiet time this fall, more than ever. The time change has been the best thing that's happened to me in years. Um, So it's funny. I care so deeply about my rule of life, about um, spending time with Jesus. Last week I talked about going up on the mountain, beholding the glory of the Lord regularly, okay? So we all get this. We've all wanted to have a morning quiet time from time to time. Um, So for me, it's clear to me what God's will is. Um, I want to spend time with the Lord and his word every day. Um, And for me, the best time to do that for me is in the morning before the kids are awake, okay? So I have that. And God's will for me is quite clear. And I I believe that's what he wants. Um, But then there's this desire, and it's such an innocent desire. It's, It's dark and it's cozy right now and I'm warm. <laughs> and I, I don't want to, it. or it's at the end of the night, and like, I went to bed and a half an hour too late, so I don't want to set the alarm a half an hour early. And so I don't set the alarm, or the alarm, usually it's either whether I set the alarm or not, okay? Really simple, will of God to me is clear, it, for me in that moment, desire is clear. And the question is, what do I do? And the answer is, it all depends on whether I've armed myself with an attitude. And the ad- attitude is this, to follow God is, I'm going to be physically uncomfortable sometimes. The smallest little thing of waking up 20 minutes early. But I've had this mindset, which is, I should be able to follow Jesus, and it shouldn't cost me anything, even 20 minutes of sleep. And so I don't make the decision. Okay, I, I've seen this so, that same attitude, like with the Word of God. So many people who go to church, most people would say, I want to, I know I should, I want to read this, this Word more often. But for a lot of people, reading this is hard, okay? It's a big book. Uh, there's a lot to understand about it. They were never readers in school to begin with, so this taps into all the stuff of school. Yeah, I mean, I get It's a complicated thing. Uh, and so at the same time, I think the will of God is pretty clear, right? Blessed is the person um, who delights in the word of the Lord, who meditates on it, right? There, there's the word of God, God wants us in his word regularly. I think that's, that's pretty clear. Um, but then you tap into these desires that this is hard and this is challenging. And so the question is, what do you do when the will of God and your desires lead you down to different paths? And the key is, it depends. Have you armed yourself with a mindset or not? And what I've, what I've learned for so many people who go to church is they've armed themselves with the wrong mindset about this book, which is, if this is the word of God, then shouldn't it be easy Right? Like if this is the word of God, shouldn't I be able to open it? And shouldn't there be some salient nugget that just is, is applicable to me that day? Like, right, if God wrote this for me, then shouldn't it always speak to me, to my moment and to my you know circumstance? And and they find often it tends not to. And so it's like this is well, that was a waste of 15 minutes, you know. Right? I mean, this is such a small thing. And so the mindset we need is embrace suffering. The smallest little suffering, embrace the fact that learning this story is going to be hard. You're going to have to push through times where you just don't understand what's happening. You may have to get friends around. You get people who know it better than you. It's not going to be easy. That's not a lot of suffering. It's just a little bit of suffering, but embrace suffering. Uh, Let me give you one more. How about addiction? Okay. Okay. Um, lots of addiction in the room. Uh, we have uh, sexual addiction. We have uh, substance addiction, right? And addiction is one of those really, I mean, any of us who, we probably all are addicts in some way or other. Um, is such a powerful experience where we know the will of God and we know the sinful desire. And so we so often find ourselves falling back into sinful desire, even though we so long to um, obey God's will. And I, I get the complexity of addiction, okay? So I'm not simplifying the, this really complicated thing. But here you have the will of God, okay? Which is clearly for our purity, whether that's sexual purity, whether that's avoiding drunkenness, drug addiction, those sorts of things. I think the will of God is quite clear. Uh, and then you have the sinful desire. Uh, that And it's we feel it powerful. It's powerful. That's why we can't shake this thing. And again, way more complex than this, but... Part of the issue, the key to whether we will move through addiction through to freedom is simply, have we or have we not armed ourselves with an attitude? And the attitude is, freedom in this area of my life is going to cost me a lot. I am going to suffer. I'm going to have to die to some things. It's going to be painful. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be what my soul longs for. But I should not expect to be freed from this addiction and for that journey to be easy. It's going to cost me. And usually what it will cost is a couple things. It will cost an outer journey of being willing to confess it and to bring other people into it and to have accountability for it. And in my experience, that's what people are unwilling to do. The suffering of what they experience as the embarrassment of revealing this addiction, that suffering, it's a kind of pain, right? Isn't worth it to them. And so they continue to say, I think I can solve this on my own, even though all their history tells them that's not true. But that feels easier than the suffering of bringing it out into the light of community. Or there's an inner journey that would be required to experience freedom, because usually addiction is not just about the addiction, but it's about all sorts of painful emotions that the addiction is there to mask, right? And so, there's an inner journey that one has to go on that's going to probably raise up stuff from the past and really emotions that are hard to deal with, and they're not willing to go on that journey uh, either, and so they remain stuck in the addiction, right? Again, super complex issue that I'm simplifying here, but part of the issue is, have we armed ourselves with an attitude? Life with Jesus is gonna be hard. So just accept that. And the minute you accept that, it actually becomes a little bit less hard (laughs) because the fact that it's hard no longer really matters. That's really not the main point here. The will of God is what matters. That's That's what we wanna pursue. So every day we come across these decisions. And I would just invite you to ask yourself, um, what do I experience in my life? Do I, do I see the will of God being constrained by my desires? Like, I'll do God's will until, until my desires kick in, and then in that case, I do the desires. Or do I feel my desires being constrained by the will of God? Yeah, I've got desires. I'll, I'll pursue them until they get in the way of God's will, and then I move towards God's will. Um, this is how Jesus says it himself of his own life. This was from John 4, our, our reading this week in Axios. My food, meaning what satisfies my soul, what really fills uh, my hunger, is to do the will of the one who sent me. That's what gets me up in the morning. I want to just live for the will of God. That satisfies the cravings of my soul. Versus others that Paul talks about in Philippians 3.19 where he says, their God is their belly. Meaning they are ruled by their appetites, their desires rule their lives, to take them which way and that way? Like, that's what shapes their lives. And so the question we have to ask is, is my God my own belly, my own desires and cravings? Is that what gets first in my life? Or is my God God and doing His will? So um, I want to leave us with the motivation Peter kind of lays out these two paths and encourages us to embrace this mindset. And then he gives us two really powerful motivations to pursue the will of God. One of them is really obvious in this passage. One of them is a little bit more subtle. Okay, let me start with the obvious one. Look at verse five. He's talking about people who are living according to their desires. But they will have to give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Okay, this is the first motivation, it's powerful, it's not subtle, and it's this, the return of Jesus Christ, our King. And he's saying they will have to give an account, that that, that being the they again, those who live for their desires, they'll have to give an account to Jesus, and he says he is ready to judge, he is perfectly equipped and prepared to do this work. God has uh, assigned him, God has appointed him, as judge, his father uh, has appointed him as judge of, of all people. And he's ready to do that. And he's, he's immensely qualified to do that because he's lived a human life, right? He suffered for us. He, he was raised and now he stands as the king. And one day, not just they, but we all will stand before Jesus and he said, and give an account. And what that means is actually provide a verbal explanation for our lives to the king. It's terrifying. It's kind of what happens when my kids do something wrong and and something crashes and, and, and I walk and I say, what do you have to say for yourselves, right? Provide me with an explanation for your behavior. And Peter's saying that's what, they will have to do, they, those who live according to their, their desires, they will stand before the one who is ready to judge the living and the dead and will have to provide a verbal explanation for why they live the way they did. And that is a powerful motivator, right? That we all will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And it's great To hear that, I know it's not the funnest thing to think about, but it's good to think about every once in a while, to realize there will be a time where I will stand before Jesus, and in that time, it will become abundantly clear which of my desires were worth pursuing and which weren't. And in that moment, many of the desires that I felt strongly or, or things that I wanted so deeply, those will feel so small and insignificant in the light of that day. And so we want to live in light of that day? What are the things that I can do now that when I stand before him on that day, say, yes, that was was the mindset I should have had. That was the behaviors I should have been engaged in. Those were the desires I should have sought to help flourish in my life, right? And which aren't. So that's the motivation. And then there's one other motivation I want to leave you with this, and it's a little more subtle, um, but I love this. In verse three, he says this. So live for God's will, not evil, human desires. Verse 3, for you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do. This is the motivation. You've spent enough time in the past. And I wonder if Peter's, this is sort of sarcastic, maybe slightly humorous. Like, if you ever wonder, have I spent enough time doing this sin? Like, have I given enough time to this, this sinful desire or behavior? Peter said, if you ever wonder, don't wonder anymore. It's enough. The, the time you spent is sufficient. No more, no more of this is needed. No more coddling of this sin. No more pursuing this evil desire. Like, if you're wondering, I can tell you, you've given it enough time. And, of course, he's speaking to that part of us that, and that we all have that says, I know I need to change this thing, but I'll get to it some later day. Right? Like, I know I need to be on a diet, but... Um, after the holidays, right? I'll <laughs> wait to the new year. And we do this. There's certain sins in our lives where we just go, I'm just going to delay on that one. I know, I know. I need to get to that at some point. But I'm going to delay for now. And I think Peter's speaking to that part of us. And, and he's speaking into it with this word, enough. It's, it's been enough. The time is now. No more time is needed for you to continue in that desire and that sin. Now is the time. It's enough. You've given it enough. And so I want to leave you just with that thought. Again, hard-hitting passage, right? A mindset. But I want to just leave you in... Um, what time is it? 9.50. Okay, okay. We, we've got... I want the baptism to have its time. Um, but um, maybe today... Maybe there's something that as you think about desire versus the will of God, you look at your life right now, maybe there's one thing. You might have ten things, but why don't you just choose one today? Then there's something that is brought to the surface for you um, where you know it's not what God's will is for you. And maybe it, today is a day to say enough. Like, no, this is the day. Today, right now, this is the day to, to kind of put a line in the sand and to take a stand against this sin. I, mean, I may still, you know, you might fall again, but like, this is a day to stand with a renewed strength and a renewed um, spirit-dependent, uh, you know, motivation that says enough. And that could be with an addiction. Um, that could be with uh, persecution. That could be with not wanting to share the gospel because you're afraid of what your friends might think. That might be with just about anything, but there's something in your life where you say, um, you know, I died to that life. And I shouldn't be living in that life any, any longer. And we're going we're gonna to go and, and watch three baptisms in a second. And what we're going to see is three guys go under the water. They're going to get drowned for like two seconds. Okay? And then they're going to come up dripping wet. They'll be washed clean in the forgiveness of Jesus. But drowned and raised to a new life. That is the picture of baptism. Right? You have died. Your life is hidden with Christ. You now live this new life. And maybe as you look at your life right now, you're like, there's something that hasn't died that I am coddling, that I'm feeding, and it needs to die. Uh, today is, is the day because enough. Enough. I, I'm even sick of this thing. And I know that the Lord is ready and willing to help me. And, and what can be hard is this might be the hundredth time you've said enough to something. And that can get discouraging. I get that. (laughs) And yet, it is still a day where the Spirit might be moving in you to say, yep, this thing, enough. And you have to, if you're going to say enough, you have to arm yourself with a mindset that says, this is going to be really hard. Because if it was easy, I would have already changed it. (laughs) And so this is a day just to lay this before the Lord. Lord, I can't do this. Can't do this. This is your work. You are the one who changes me. I don't change myself. But I do with you. I want to partner with you in saying enough to this. I want to arm myself with a fresh attitude that says, I'm going to expect this is going to cost. This is going to hurt. This is going to be hard. And this is precisely the good path that you have for me. So let's do this. Why don't we just, um, why don't we close our eyes and just take some time in prayer and then Sophie and the crew will come on up, and, and I think both the prayer time and, and the, the worship, the singing, let's, let this be a space for you where you sit with the Lord with this passage, with this call to His will versus your own sinful desires, and just prayerfully offer something to Him. This can be your sacrifice this morning. Lord. I want to offer you this ongoing habit, this habituated sin that's in my life, um, that is part of an old life, that doesn't belong to my future, and there is no future in it, Lord. But help, if you haven't ident- identified something, maybe just prayerfully ask God to help you identify that thing, and then offer it to Him, and ask Him, Lord, what, what are my steps? Like, I can't fix this thing, but what do I do? And maybe it's just confession today. Maybe he brings to mind a person that you need to talk to or a a real concrete step you need to take. But let this be a time where we do business with the Lord and we let the healer, the surgeon, move into our hearts and minds and our attitudes and do that beautiful, sometimes painful, surgical work that he wants to do, but always to, to bring us closer and closer to Jesus. So just take a moment in silence, and then we'll respond in song.